Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. And uh, do you know how many times I've tried to record this intro? I find the intros really, really hard to record. What do you want to hear me talking about in the intro to our podcast episodes? Probably not much at all because you're probably thinking, just get on with it. We're not here to hear you. We are here to listen to your special guest, which is Dee Dee Griesbauer in this particular episode, but we'll get to her in just a few moments. Before we do that, here's a hot tip. If you are about to do any form of audio voice recording, do not drink a milky drink. Um, I used to have, uh, say, a latte. It's called something else in Melbourne, what I have. It's called a Magic, which is actually a double ristretto with three quarters milk. Write it down. If you're ever in Melbourne, ask for a Magic. They'll know what you're talking about. Uh, but this time I have opted to just have an espresso before we kickstarted this podcast episode because apparently the milk um, sort of uh, makes you sound a little bit congested. I don't know. I heard it on another podcast with experts who've been doing this for a very long time, uh, and that's what they recommended that you don't do. Don't drink milky substances when you are doing any form of voice recording. So, I don't know, just in case someone's about to call you for an interview, there's a hot tip. So before we get underway with this episode, I would love to give a big shout out and a massive wrap your arms around them, squeeze them tight, smooch their face. Thank you to our latest top tier supporters on the Patreon membership uh, website. A big shout out to Mel Marsh and Helen Stevens. Thank you so, so, so much for your support. And if you're out there listening and you're thinking, Geez, I love listening to the dulcet tones of Steph Hansen and her special guest every Friday when the Wits Up podcast comes out. I know that's what you're thinking. Uh, or maybe you enjoy the latest video that we've uh, published on our YouTube channel. Or even you enjoy the way that we uh, cover a race when we are live at an event. Please consider becoming a patron or a member of WitsUp. Uh, the entry tier is just $5 a month. That is the cost of, I mean, to be fair, it's an expensive coffee, but it is just the cost of a coffee per month. And we'd really appreciate your support. Uh, so if you do enjoy what we're creating here at WitsUp, please consider jumping on the Patreon page. Uh, it is just patreon.com backslash WitsUp. There's a link uh, in the description of these episodes. Uh, we'd really appreciate your support. But for now, let's get stuck into our chat with Didi Griesbauer. All right, we are recording. Welcome to the Wits Up podcast. It's Didi and I'm pretty sure I got this right when I saw you in Kona, Griesbauer. Griesbauer, you got it right. And actually, that is something I learned in Kona too, because doing commentary, we, we actually had a conference call to do like name check, name pronunciation check to make sure that we were pronouncing everyone's name properly. Um, oh, good. Broadcast. And you learned that in the German language, you lean on the second vowel. So it's I-E. So it's Gree versus Gry would be E-I. You lean on the second vowel in German names. So I learned something really valuable oh. about my own, na about my own name. <laughs> well, yeah. and do you know what? You explained that to me in Kona and I didn't understand what you meant. I just smiled and nodded at you. But now I actually understand what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. So now whenever I have someone for a, like an Austrian athlete or a German athlete, 
I don't even I don't even wince when I say the name because I can say it with confidence. Some of the other names, I lean on some of my my co-hosts to to let them run with it. Um, Mike Lovato in particular, he's like, you just say it with confidence, and if you're wrong, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I found that as well. whenever I've done commentary or interviews and I, but I feel confident and then all of a sudden I start to say it and I lose all confidence and I end up like apologizing halfway through their surname, getting it wrong. Yes. My, my biggest nightmare, um, Heine Hartekainen is one that I really struggle with. Sorry, Heine. That's probably still wrong. Yes. And then, um, Peter Backegaard from, uh, Denmark is another one that I really, I get tongue tied with. There's a couple out there that that I struggle with, but those are some of the those are some of the the juicy ones. <laughs> wow! And do you know what though? I think I, I agree with Michael. If well, if you've got confidence, but I think if you've made an effort to find out what the pronunciation is, um, I think that definitely speaks volumes about you because so many people do not make the effort. So I think that's awesome that you do that. And we take correction well. So if people start yelling at us on the broadcast, mm. so like you're pronouncing it wrong, we we are 100% open to to correction. So yeah, we we take yeah. Uh, we take that well. <laughs> Let's. I, I wanted to. I want to talk about uh, the commentary. I actually had that on my list of things to talk about. It wasn't at the start, but I like to go with the flow. So let's just go down that path for now. Your commentary is. Fantastic. I love you on the mic during uh, an Ironman uh, live event. You, you're unreal. Oh, you're very kind. I, I, I don't feel that way, but I, mm-hmm. I, the, the, the common theme amongst all of this is that I just love this sport. There's a lot of times I can say, honestly, I wish I didn't love it so much, but I truly <laughs> love it. I'm so supremely passionate about it that I love it. And I'm glad that that comes through. Uh, I have gotten a little bit more comfortable with the commentary, but I, um, I have a lot left to learn, but I'm really enjoying the experience and the team that I work with is fantastic. Everyone in, um, not only on the mic and in the booth, but, um, you know, the production crew as well. It's just been a really great experience that I've really, really enjoyed. So what, what makes you say that uh, you're not confident or that you weren't to begin with? Um, I, my previous career, I, I grew up on Wall Street, <laughs> mm. which means we'll I, get have, to that as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bit of a potty mouth. And honestly, my biggest fear, <laughs> my biggest fear, like for a while, I had a little picture of my mother on the corner of my computer screen. So that I wouldn't say no. anything, that I wouldn't say anything I wouldn't say in front of my mother. <laughs> that was my reminder. That it's hard. That it's, is brilliant. Well, it didn't work that well because as I've as I've discovered and Dave pointed out to me, I, I pretty much cuss like a sailor in front of her as well. So, but it it I try I try really hard not to. Um, but it was a great reminder to me to 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 keep it clean. And, and sometimes it's just in the emotion of the moment. Like you see someone in the lead of a race totally. and they, they get a flat and you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that is my biggest nightmare in, is saying something inappropriate in, in the midst of the passion of the broadcast. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, so let me just clear this up straight away. You are 100% allowed to swear on this podcast. Oh. In fact, I say embrace it. I love it. 
Uh, and I've said it. I've said it so many times, particularly in a um, podcasting situation or radio. It's sometimes it's hard to get that emotion across if because I, I'm a big talker with my hands and and body and everything. And when you can't see that, I find that swearing just yes. helps get that emotion across. Yes. And but do you find it hard now that you have a tiny person in your life? Do you obviously <laughs> do you, is it hard to to cap that? I mean, obviously it's going to leak out and you hope to make it to like 7 or 8 before she's dropping F bombs. But can, can, do you find it hard to to put a cork in it when you have tiny people around cuz that's the worst thing. We obviously we don't have children and and my fur children probably are swearing in whatever dog language they speak to one another because we do it all the time. But when I'm around friends that have children, like I'll hang out with Rachel and I have to be really careful because it's not second nature to stick a cork in it. <laughs> I'm totally with you. Um, and I ashamedly have to admit that I haven't really cut it back and I probably should start because she's starting to say, words all over the place yeah um and i swear her first full sentence is definitely going to have an f-bomb in it um so without doubt um but i don't this is really bad but i still find it funny like i I still sometimes i forget yeah, that I'm a mum and I'm supposed to be responsible. Uh, I, I keep thinking that I'm the fun auntie that it's funny to watch <laughs> my nieces and nephews swear. And I'm, I forget that there's probably uh, repercussions to that when she starts going to school and everything. So, well, but here's um, the thing. Like one of my favourite things of all time, um, uh, Richie Cunningham had a video of um, Chris McDonald's daughter who was probably maybe three at the time standing there. Number one, she was she was pole dancing. She, there was like, the, there's some support pole in the kitchen. She was pole dancing and, and swearing at the same time. She was saying fuck and pole dancing. And literally, I, I saved it on my phone because it makes me cry. Like it is the funniest, it is the funniest thing ever. And, and now she's, I don't know, probably five or six. And I'm sure they've taught her that there's a time and a place both for swearing and pole dancing. And school is probably not one of them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you know what? I actually agree with you on that as well. Um, that, and you know, it's all good in theory, and it'll probably bite me in the ass down the track. But I'm hoping that in time I can teach her what is adult-only words, yes. and you know, things like that. So because she's she's definitely going to hear them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like back in the day, didn't they? You know, to prevent kids from smoking, they used to make them smoke three packs in a day and then they would never smoke again. Maybe I'll just swear heaps now so that she just, you know, gets put off by it. <laughs> Maybe she won't get put off by it though. But that's the thing. There's all those articles that I read that swearing is really therapeutic. Like it's a great way to just yes. release emotion. And and I will say yep. in the midst of a lot of race scenarios, I am swearing like a sailor and it just makes me feel better yep. sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's very therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. Fuck so yeah. if you could Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so back to the commentary. Um so I, I think you're fantastic for, for a couple of reasons. You you you've got a really interesting point of view uh, from um about the sport. So you've seen it from many different angles, you've been in it for a while, um but also you you're not scared in giving your opinion. I feel like um, 
sometimes in the past in live commentary, it's it's felt like it's been a little bit overproduced. And mm-hmm. I feel like you're, you go in and um, your skill set is knowing like the emotions and every sort of angle of the sport and you let that fly and you give your opinion. And I remember there was Ironman Austria and uh, I, I can't remember who the athletes were, but it, they were clearly drafting. Yes. And I don't think it's been addressed enough on live coverage in the past. Yes. It just sort of gets brushed under that. Yeah. But you're like, that is blatant. And uh, the, another part where you, someone was saying, oh, you know, and these two women will probably, you know, shake hands and high five at the end of the race. And you're like, no, they won't. <laughs> they, they, that's not going to happen. We're yeah. not we're not all buddy, buddy, pally, pally all the time. And that's actually okay. You don't have to get along with everyone, everyone. Right. Um, just because you're a woman. But yeah. it's, I kind of feel like there seems to be this, um, thing in sport where all women need to be huggy, huggy, pally, pally. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously that's not the case. I mean, it's, you know, that's, no. yeah. And it's honestly one of the hardest part of commentary um, as well is there's certainly athletes I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And having been in the sport as long as I have, I know how hard it is. I know what this journey is like and mm. and coming to sort of to the closer to the end of my journey and, and seeing a lot of athletes either at, at various stages throughout their journeys, there are athletes that I have, every athlete I have a tremendous amount of respect for, some more than others. I mean, there's some, you know, reputable, um, some athletes whose reputations um, aren't what others are. And so it's hard in commentary to provide unbiased mm. commentary towards people that either I personally yep. or athletes that are coming back from drug sanction or whatever that I might have, I have to put my own emotions aside at times. And mm. and I hope, you know, to a certain extent, though, that's got to come through because there's probably some people that feel the same way. Um, and so it, that that's another aspect to it that that is difficult. Um, but yep. you, you try to um, and, and you have to remember at the end of the day, too, that the, the commentary, it's, it's a marketing tool for Ironman. And so we're trying to promote the sport. But yeah. there are a lot of aspects to the sport that I think could be better, um, drafting being one of them. Um, and so to be honest and say, look, I think, you know, and, you know, it's hard to tell from a camera angle and we're not on them for the full 25 seconds. Yes, that looks a little close to me. I'd like to see them back out of the draft zone a little bit. Um yeah. You try to put it together in a put it forward in a um a, I don't want to say politically correct because that's an awful thing to say because I'm trying to be honest but it's true yeah. like sometimes the camera angle can be deceiving and and I've been in situations where yeah you look at the camera angle you're like wow that looks really close and all of a sudden they go to overhead and you're like oh yeah they're fine you know so it, it, yeah, it yeah. is it is difficult and it's doing the commentary is a lot harder um, you know, I love, we, we do get some, some haters out there and, um, of course, and, and that's just part of it. And I'm, it's funny. I did, I forget what race it was, but I did a broadcast with Welchie and there were some people that were just being awful. And I literally was sitting there almost in tears and we went to a, a little bit of a break and Welchie looked at me, he's like, girl, you got to grow a thicker skin. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I really, oh, wow. I really do. Yeah. Like I just took it to heart because we do try so hard. Um, but you know, haters going to hate. So you just got to roll through it. (laughs) It's, it is so, so hard. Um, and, and you, and you're right. Thicker skin, haters, haters going to hate, but 
I don't care who you are, at the end of the day, it's always going to affect you personally because you are putting yourself out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is damn fucking hard yes. to talk for however many hours, you know, nine, 10 hours and fill those spaces when, you know, especially when there's not much happening uh, in, in a full Ironman, for example, you know, if there's not moves and stuff, what can you talk about? Oh, it's, it's, it's dreadful because they plan, obviously hmm. Ironman plans the race schedule, the broadcast schedule well ahead of time before they know start lists. So we've had races where yeah. uh, there's a woman who's 20 minutes off the front and everyone's super spread out. The, the race dynamics just aren't that interesting. And to make it seem interesting for that long is it's really difficult. One of my favorite things to do after a broadcast is just to go swim, um, just to put myself in the water yeah, and be, good one. be quiet and not talk for a little while. And it's never, usually it's never a hard swim because I'm usually fairly tired after a broadcast, but just to go be quiet for a little while and, and sort of on my own in a place where no one can talk to me and I don't have to talk to anybody just, just for an hour. <laughs> That's, that is a great idea. That's something I need to employ for, you know, when I've been say working at an event or whatever, just even if it's 20 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes in your own headspace. Yes. That's a great idea. Yeah, it really does. It really, really does help because you just, you get, you know, the adrenaline and the emotion and you're so amped up. And just to sort of calm it back down. And for me, the water has always been a very soothing place. So I just, I go to the pool, no matter how tired I am, I just, I get in and I swim for a little bit. And then, you know, whether I have workouts later in the day or whatnot, um, but, but having that time to just sort of decompress is, is fabulous for me. Yeah, I bet. Um, it's funny that you say, I just go into the pool for a little bit for just an hour. It, to me at the moment, <laughs> an, <laughs> an hour like I reckon I'd struggle just to sit in a pool for an hour at the moment, let alone roll my arms over. Um, <laughs> but that, that does that does lead me to uh, the the ultra in uh, a triathlete's life in terms of oh, I'm just going to do an hour. That that old chestnut, <laughs> Ultraman Florida. Yeah, my have you recovered? Yeah, it depends on who you ask. If you ask me, yes. I'd say yes, I'm 100% recovered. If you ask Julie, I'm nowhere close. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I pulled up remarkably well. I obviously was sore on Monday, but I, I can't say the soreness was that drastically different um, than than a, an Ironman. Um, yeah, right. We we had prepared for Armageddon, like we had wheelchair service ordered in all the airports. Um, Dave oh. was. Dave was prepared to take time off of work because I wouldn't like be able to do things like walk the dogs or make it to the toilet on my own. Like there, there were things that like we were prepared for worst case scenario. And I got up Monday and I granted I did, I slept zero percent on Sunday night. I just was up. Um, yeah. And, but Monday I was sore, but I actually felt good. We flew home Monday night and got home well past midnight and and slept a bit, but I woke up and just immediately thought of my little fur children and the prospect of going and picking them up from the kennel and I just couldn't go back to sleep. So we, I didn't sleep that much. Tuesday was tough um, because I got the girls. I came back and I was like, you know, I need a really good breakfast. And I, I made myself some breakfast and immediately started just throwing up and was just so dreadfully sick um, and, and really felt kind of unwell most of the day. Tuesday and even Wednesday was kind of still... I felt better, but I just wasn't quite right. And then by Thursday, I was like, I'm not sore. I'm not tired. Like, I feel good. 
And by Friday, I was like, Julie, I was like, Julie, can I? And she's like, shut your cake hole. She's like, no, you cannot. (laughs) She'd pretty much say that word for word as well, wouldn't she? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Her response is either just to not answer, which is, you know, very telling. Um, Of course, it's they're away at camp right now. They're all in Las Vegas Mm. um, uh, on training camp. So that's been hard, too, because like the letdown, the post-race letdown, and I'm here by myself. I'm not able to train very much. Um, And so that that the sort of the post-race blues have sort of kicked in um, a little bit. But I know that, you know, my experience, that's just part of it and uh new goals will yep. emerge and and i will get back on a training schedule soon and, and that will all be fine but it has been it's been a tough couple of weeks yeah but uh, but yeah, recovery, wise, recovery wise i honestly do feel really good last week i was allowed 25 minutes of water therapy being swimming mostly because i wasn't going to waste my time with water running um so i had 25 <laughs> minutes of swimming and then i had some gym mobility work uh, that my strength coach uh, put in there, but it it was no more than an hour of movement a day that I could barely even call exercise. Um, this week, yeah, I'm, right. allowed to, I'm allowed to exercise. Um, she had added some elliptical in there, and I was like, "How about the alter G?" She's like, "Nope, we'll save that for next week." And I was like, "Oh, bloody! Like that's like another week." Um, so I, I am feeling good, but I am also aware of the fact that. The damage is like, I'm not a physiology person, but it's at like a cellular level. It's at levels I can't even be aware of. And I know that I need to be careful. Um, And at the moment, I have general plans of what I want to do, but I do not have a specific race plan. So I am trying against my normal, natural being to just be patient. I'm not a patient person. And so I'm trying to be patient. Yeah. Find me a triathlete who is patient, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's many of you out there. <laughs> no, it's 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 yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Let's take a step back. Um. And just in case people aren't aware, you raced Ultraman Florida, your first Ultraman race. Uh yeah. correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. You. You broke the course record by over two hours and the Ultraman record of any Ultraman race by over an hour. Yeah. Correct. Has that or when did that sink in? You know, it, it still hasn't. Um, right. Because when I signed up, it's not like I went to the record book and said, oh, like, this record's like ripe for the picking. Like I, I didn't even know until after the end of day two, we had gotten back to the house. I had done a warm down. My crew was making dinner and I had a meeting with Julie. And she looked at me and she said, if you average, and I forget what it was, it was something crazy, like 11 minutes and 53 seconds a mile. She's like, if you can average faster than that, tomorrow she's like you will break the ultraman world record and i looked at her as if she'd shot my dog i was like why would you tell me that oh, like, that, I was like, what, what possessed you to put that into my brain like that was the worst thing you ever could have told me in my life and she 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 immediately like she saw the wounded puppy look on my face and she was like i'm only telling you that because she's like you're gonna have some dark moments out there tomorrow and when things get dark oh, i want God. you to have 
that thought that if you keep it going, you can do something that no woman has ever done before, ever. And that was pretty, like, that was pretty significant. So, but that just kicked in for me. Yeah. And it was pretty, uh, but I really tried really hard to just put it out of my head because I had not run, like in my life, I had never run a step more than 26.2 miles. Like I'd never run longer than a marathon. And so to, to, to go into day three and from the second I hit enter to enter this silly race, um, that was the elephant in the room, right? I knew day one, I'd never swum 10K open water, but I've done like a thousand 10K swims in my life. Like just, I, I, it didn't, it didn't scare me. I respected it, but it didn't scare me. And then even the day two bike of 171 miles, um, in 2016, I had done that 12 hour time trial. Um, oh, yes. and biked, I don't know, like 258 or 56 miles, something crazy. So I was like, I can cover 171 miles. I know I can. It might not you got be the pretty record the then as well, didn't you? Sorry. Yeah. 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 And that, I think that one still stands. Um, uh, I think some, I think that year I actually, at that event, I actually did beat all the men. Um, but I think since yeah. then, some men, some men have surpassed that time, but I don't think a woman has yet. Um, so day one and day two, it was sort of nice because it sounds ridiculous. I, I realized that I sound mental, but I, I could ease into the race a little bit and sort of build my confidence each day because day three, was intimidating from the time I I signed up. I just had no concept of how I was going to run 52.4 miles with the cumulative fatigue of day one and day two just was crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, honestly, once Julie spoke to me about the records, I I really tried to put it out of my head because I, I I felt like I had enough problems on my plate just getting through the distance. Um... And then mm-hmm. kind of in the last 10K, when I, I kind of knew that the record was secure, minus massive major meltdown, which we've seen before in races, um, yeah. it, was, it was satisfying. But I, I can't say it's really sunk in because going into it, that wasn't my goal. It's, it's, yeah. it's certainly nice to have gotten the record. Um, but I also know that the Ultraman Florida course is nothing like some of the other Ultraman courses, Ultraman Canada, certainly Ultraman Hawaii that has the, the day, the two day elevation gain in Hawaii is like 15,000 feet. And I think the two day elevation gain total in Florida is something like 6,000 feet. So yeah, right. very different courses. Um, so I, I love the fact that, you know, the record is a nice takeaway, but it certainly wasn't my motivation. My, my takeaways from the race are so much different than the records. I mean, the records are nice. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, and you know, I like to throw around at home. Hey, I'm a world record holder. Go get me this. (laughs) 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 Not really, but. The coolest thing about the race, honestly, was the Monday awards. Every single athlete that starts, not athletes that don't even, aren't even official finishers, every single athlete gets three minutes to stand up and say their thing, whether it's to thank their family, their crews, tell their story. And it was just so, it was so incredible. Like I hadn't, like we were, it takes a, it takes a bloody long time because there's, there's, you know, three minutes times 38 athletes. It, it takes a while. Um, 
But some of the things that people said were just so outstanding. But as we got to sort of the, the top finishers, um, the guy, they called him up. He was the third place male finisher. He's from Great Britain. What a nice guy. Yeah. They called him up, third place male. I forget, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. Um, that's the wine talking, but <laughs> I, he got up there. They welcomed him up. You know, everyone's clapping, clapping, clapping. And he, he quiets everyone with his hands. He's like, nope, what, hang on, hang on. He's like, I need to make a correction. He's like, I did not come in third. I came in fourth. He's like, I got, he's like, I got chicked by Didi and I cannot wait to go home and tell my daughters all about it. He oh. had two daughters back in, back in England and he was like, I cannot wait to go home and tell them all about it. And then the guy that won Stephen Keller, he was second last year to Chris McDonald, won it this year. He got up and spoke and he has a one-year-old daughter. Her name's Izzy. And I remember that because of Rinnie and Tim. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, Izzy was in the back in the Bjorn with mom and, you know, she's babbling back there and you can kind of hear when he's speaking and he, he looked at me in the eye, like, and it was so just, it was so incredible. He looked me in the eye and he said, when my daughter's old enough, she's going to know your story because it's incredible. And just for the guys to be saying that, like that to oh. me was the, the special takeaway from the whole event. It just was like, cause it didn't, uh, again, I didn't go in there to beat the boys. I just went in there to yeah. not die and try to <laughs> the race. And the fact that like they recognized that and that we all sort of shared this, this experience together was just really special. That is the coolest. I love shit like that. Yeah, it was really, it was really amazing. Even my parents, my parents came to the finish line. They live in Florida in the winter. And um, it's funny, at Christmas, we were all together and my mother-in-law had asked them, like, are you going to go watch this race? And my father, who's, you know, he's, they've, they've been around the Ironman block a few times. <laughs> and my dad, my dad says, quite frankly, he's like, that sounds quite dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> they stood on the sideline of enough Ironman race courses to know that like the 30 seconds they get to see me just isn't that satisfying. Um, cause I'm swearing and not very happy and you know, whatever. So even he was just like, that sounds quite dreadful to me. I love it. Um, but they, they came to the finish line. They came, they drove three hours from their home and were at the finish line and I didn't know they were going to be there. Oh, that's um, awesome. So yeah, it was really great. And they came, they spent the night, they got a hotel, they spent the night and came to awards the next day. And it was just really special to kind of have them there. Yeah. Um, to kind of experience some of it because from the time I quit my job on Wall Street, I can't say, I, I can say quite definitively, they've never really understood what I'm doing. They're like, wait, you're, you're doing what? <laughs> they've never understood it, but they've always supported it. And I'm so grateful for that. Wow. You're doing what? And you're getting paid what? Compared to Wall Street? Yeah. <laughs> I, Exactly. Like, exactly. I think they had visions of us like moving in with them because we went broke yeah. and, you know, whatever. And yeah, the, the swing in our bank account has been pretty significant, to say the I, least. Uh, when, when you add up the 15, 15 years with compound interest and investment growth and all that sort of thing, like, <laughs> I, I can't let myself think about it. But I know that we're healthier, healthier and happier as a result. I know yeah. that for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's very cool. Um, I just, I just a quick story similar to the men saying those things about you uh, and their daughters. Uh, a friend of mine just raced in Geelong recently. He's a yeah. kick-ass age grouper, 
and I texted him and sent him a couple of photos and he'd said about Hannah Wells, who, uh, who's from New Zealand. He's like, wow, she was amazing, so strong. Um, when's she going to do an Ironman? And I said, oh, she's talking about it this year. And his response is just one of the best responses I've ever got. He's just said, I hope she comes and does Ironman cans because I'm going to be there and I wanted to kick my ass. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> It's just cool because yeah. he's just looking at her going, wow, she is incredible. And he's been in the sport forever. Um, yeah. It just, yeah, I just, I think sometimes like anyone can be inspired by uh, people being the best versions of themselves. And that is you from Ultraman. Uh, and any single person can be inspired by what you have achieved. Yeah, I, again, like it's it's it gets in your head a little bit because that's not why we do it, right? We do it no, because, right? But but to hear things like that, and particularly in this environment, to see men inspired by performances of women, I think is incredible. Yeah, I think it's really really cool. Yeah, and I think it's really important to to fr- from my point of view with Witsup, it's something that we have been um, aware of since day one. Is that we're not just talking to women. Uh, we provide a platform to build build up women, but men can appreciate that as well. So we've never done it to try and push men to the side. I've got that many guys reach out to me asking me about women's results or, or whatever it is. Uh, I think that's really yeah. important to put that out there. Just because it's women doing stuff doesn't mean it's just other women who are interested. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's super cool. Like my, my early years in the sport back when I was in Boston, I was coached by Karen Smyers. Um, but we trained with a group and there were a couple of women, um, on the team. It's team psycho is the name of the team. And it's largely a group of guys and Karen and me and, and a couple of women, like a handful of women. Um, but not that many women. And now, like, you know, 15, 16 years later, the team has sort of evolved. And a lot of the men that were sort of the foundation of the team back then, they're not so much doing triathlon anymore, but there's a lot of women that have sort of taken the torch and are doing incredible things. And it's so great to be on the email lists for Team Psycho and see the guys like bowing down and saying, this is an incredible group of women. And I was like, damn straight it is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. far out between you and Karen, you would have seen a lot of changes in the sport. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say all of them are good. I mean, the growth is spectacular. Mm. I mean, the, the fact that there are so many more race opportunities, um, I think, is is fantastic. Obviously, you know, the number of professionals entering the sport, the number of people entering the sport, I think is great. The number of women getting involved with the sport, I think is fantastic. You know, obviously there's the the downside, you know, prize money is terrible. Um, sponsorship is just dreadful. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I wish were a lot better. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really special about Ultraman was the 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 race organizers were just they were supporting every single athlete like we had their email addresses i have their cell phone numbers like when's the last time you actually knew the name of a race director at iron man it just yeah. has become very you know obviously there's support if you have an issue yes you can email athlete services or we have a pro liaison but you don't really get to know the heart and soul of the race 
Um, yeah. and, and Ultraman was very much, it's funny, Bob Babbitt was in Florida. Um, uh, he, I don't think he had an official capacity, but I did see he was at awards and I chatted to him briefly and he, he came up to me. He was like, I was so excited to see your name on the start list. He's like, doesn't this remind you of how Iron Man used to be? And in a lot yeah. of ways, it really was. Like, I remember emailing race directors my second, third year as a pro saying, hey, do you have any homestays available, right? And and that's just, that's changed. The, and, and it has to, sometimes you have to sacrifice some of that personality, of you know, to, to accommodate the growth. And I would say that in general, the growth is a great thing and getting more people active and participating probably trumps the the, the personal touches um, but I do miss some of that, honestly, knowing what it used to be back in the day. <laughs> I sound yeah. like an old person. I am an old person. It's okay. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect segue. I've got the number 49 written in bold, circled a few times because we're going to talk about your age and I'm going to start off by apologizing because in Kona, you were part of our panel, our Wits Up panel, yeah. and I feel like you got pigeonholed almost as the the has been yeah. you know almost about to retire and I feel like partly that's my fault but it's just the way the questions kept leaning towards you that day and I feel like we didn't we didn't um do you a good service uh over there I've been thinking about it no, a lot I First of all, I, I love that panel. It was super fun. And like, it was great. Like, what a fantastic experience. Like, I loved it. Um, and I loved the, like, Leanda and Michelle Vesterby. They were so fun. It was just the whole thing. The whole event was spectacular. Um, oh, well, thanks. And <laughs> if, if, if the questions slanted that way, I think that's just, I mean, I'm 49. Like, that's how it's going to go. I had a conversation with a sponsor just two days ago who congratulated me on my performance at Ultraman and said, what a great cherry on the top of a great career. And I was like, but I'm not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not done yet. And I got a couple of messages from other pros again, congratulating me. Awesome performance. Like what a way to go out. And I was like, I'm not out. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm not gone yet. Like I realize that yes, like the end is close and that's just that's a mathematical certainty. Like it just is. Um but I'm yeah. not done. Like I'm not done yet and and so I want to be clear. Actually somebody even said to me before the race. This was months ago. Um and I forget how it came up, but it was something like, "Oh, well you'll, you know, you're done after Ultraman." I'm like, "No, I'm not." And I actually sent Julie an email and I was like, just to be clear, I'm like, I'm hearing rumblings that I'm done after Ultraman. I was like, just so you know, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not done yet. So yeah, it, yeah right. it, it's a function of my age. And that's just, it's just the math. Like, it's just math. I mean, I'm not going to be 60 doing this. Like, I just don't think that's physically possible. Um, but I, I'm ra I, I have plans to race this year and we'll see how that goes and we'll look at next year when next year comes. Like I'm not done yet. Yeah. I'm not done yet. This is your new catch cry. Yeah. I'm not done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you're producing, um, and let's, let's not compare Ironman, uh, sorry, Ultraman Florida to other Ultramans. Cause like you say, they're, they're different courses and you just can't compare but just on that course, you broke the course record by, by over two hours. You, 
Yeah. Like you're not only not just done yet, you are changing the, like you're raising the bar still at 49 years of age. Well, yeah. I mean, just taking Ultraman entirely out of it. I mean, I finished on the podium at Steelhead last year. I yeah. was third at Steelhead 7. And that's a 70.3. Like, if anything. For the young whippersnappers. <laughs> right. Like, the 70.3 racing, I get out there. I was like, why is everyone in such a, such a rush? Like, why is everyone going so hard? <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's just the level of sport. But, yeah, I got on a podium in a 70.3. Um, I had a disastrous day at Lanzarote. I didn't finish. But then I went on to Whistler, and I finished fourth. Um, I yep. was, I was second off the bike to Heather Wortel. I actually outbiked Heather Wortel. And again, I'm like, Heather, like, yeah, I, 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 I like Sometimes I feel like I'm like pounding my head against a wall because people are like, oh, like you're still racing pro. And I was like, yeah, I'm still racing pro. And I'm like, and I'm not sucking. Like, I'm not going to say I'm no. awesome. I'm not, I'm not top 10 Kona material. But I'm still competitive and, and getting people to actually believe that, particularly sponsors, is it's like ridiculous. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. what I'm doing, not to toot my own horn, but it is somewhat groundbreaking in, in the performance Definitely. that I'm putting up. But everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, you'll be retired in a year or two, so we're not going to bother investing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah okay. it's like yeah, there's a template out there you have to be between these yeah. ages uh yes. blah 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 like, hang on let's think yeah. outside the box just a little bit well and it's funny too because it's to a certain extent it's just a, a little bit a, a struggle of the industry they have a hard time they know they need to sponsor some pros they have a hard time sort of capitalizing on that and once they sponsor them like activating it and knowing what to do with the pros once they sponsor them. But I had approached a, a company that I've worked with in the past and, and they're like, oh, you really need to talk to our head of marketing. So I looked him up on, on LinkedIn. He's 24 and he's in charge of their entire marketing budget. And I was like, I literally sent him an email. So I'm like, I won my first Ironman when you were nine. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like yeah, it's it's like it, I have yeah. to laugh because if I don't laugh, I'll cry. Yeah, I yeah. have to laugh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so what are you going to do for your fiftieth birthday? Oh, I, we you know it's a big year for us because we both, my husband and I, both turn fifty. Um, he's older than I am, by the way, about a month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see the background um, of it. Yeah, he's, he's like he's like he, he makes fun of me because I always make fun of him because he's old. Um, he's he's like a, like a month and five days older than I am. So we both turned fifty this year, and in May we celebrate our twentieth wedding anniversary. So it's a big year. Whoa! Um, but we have zero plans because I'm a poor triathlete, so we don't really have any magnificent plans. Um, we need to at some point plan something, and I have something in the back of my head, but I haven't even told him yet. So. I'm going to just keep that to myself. We'll, we'll let you know when it happens. But yeah, it's a big year for both of us. Yeah, turning 50 and 20th wedding anniversary and still speaking to one another. So it's all a good thing. Yeah, you definitely need to celebrate that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett, uh, my husband's turning 50 in, uh, in about a month, actually. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, here's the thing. 40 didn't bother me at all. 40 was kind of a joke. And it's like, it's like, yeah, now you're 40. You get a bunch of gag gifts. And it's like, ah, ha, 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 40. And now that I'm turning 50, I was like, dude, 50 is freaking old. Like 50 is 50, old. Like that's, 
Yeah, that's uh, it's 50 <laughs> 50's hitting me a lot harder than like 30 or 40 did. Like 50 just is starting to feel like old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, I read something uh, the other day and I, I think you're quoted as saying those people who say age is just a number are essentially full of shit because, oh, it, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because like, I, like, and I try not to be harsh, but I'll be like post-race and somebody will be like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're 48, you're 49. They're like, you're proving age is just a number. And I want to be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, what do you know about, you're 32. What do you know about age? Like, seriously, yeah, yeah. like the, the only people that know how hard this is are other 50 year olds and there's none of them doing it professionally. So they have yeah. no idea. Like it's, it's hard, but it's like, I think that's like, I thrive on the challenge. I think that's what's cool about it. Like, I want to call up um, uh, Brownie and be like, dude, we're doing it. Like, this is awesome. And I still yeah. have him by like 18 months. He's he's younger than I am by, by quite a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, are you officially the oldest uh, professional triathlete on the circuit, men and women? Yes, both. Yep. I got Brownie and oh I got God. Crowley. Both, yeah. Crowey's behind Brownie. Yeah. It's me and Cameron Brown, and he's like, I want to say he's a year and a little bit younger. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard. Like things, and people yeah. automatically, the other thing that, that people automatically assume, oh, you just take more recovery. You've like, you've watered down the intensity of your workouts. I'm like, have you met Julie Dibbins? <laughs> 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 no, no, I haven't. Um, what's changed is, like I have to be obsessed with all of the little details, nutrition, which yeah. has long been my Achilles heel. I sleep like I go to bed earlier than Frankie Flo. Like I sleep. <laughs> I no, I'm not even joking. Like there were times in Ultraman prep, we'd eat dinner and I'd be like, we'd sit on the couch, we'd watch a little TV, and I'd be like, okay, it's got to be like eight o'clock. I'd look at my watch, it'd be like six twenty. I'm like, oh crap. I'd be like, babe, I'm going. He's like, just. He's like, just go. He's like, just go. And like, the, I would be in bed by like 640. Like, it's pathetic, but it's just, it takes a toll. Like, it's hard, um, but I love it. So I'm going to keep going. Oh, brilliant. You, you're a champion. I love it. Absolutely love it. I was trying to trying to remember the first time we met, and I think it was oh, my man Melbourne. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a bad day. Oh, do you remember? Yeah. Well, were, you the, were you the one that gave me a ride back into the town? Yes. Kind of, yes. It was me. <laughs> yeah. what? Yes. Yes. Remind me what uh, happened. Uh, food poisoning. Yes. It's. I got a ride out that morning. Meredith Kessler was racing, and they were the only ones. I had gone alone. Dave wasn't there. And we, Meredith, uh, Aaron was there. And so Aaron was driving us out to the start. And there was somebody else in the car. I forget who. But yeah. I was like, I woke up that morning. I was like, oh, my stomach doesn't feel very good. I was like, oh. And I met, I remember I had messaged, I was coached by Siri at the time. I had messaged Siri. I was like, my stomach is not okay. She's like, oh, deeds, it's just nerves. I was like, okay, well, I've been around the block a few times and this is way worse than nerves. <laughs> yeah. So I get in the car and we're driving out there and I'm like, I'm sitting in the back. I have to like roll the window down and like hang my head out of the car because I was like, I am feeling rough. And thank God Meredith was well hydrated because she's saying to Aaron, oh, pee pee dance. I have to pee, I have to pee, I have to pee. He pulls over. We're like five miles from like the start of the race. He pulls over to McDonald's and Meredith runs out to run inside to go to the bathroom. And I like open the back door and fall out. 
and and this is disgusting. I threw up so hard that I things came out of both ends at the same time. Like I was so oh. so <laughs> sick. And Meredith comes back out of the bathroom, and I'm still lying on the ground. And she looks at me. She's like, "Did you do this?" <laughs> <laughs> like a naughty puppy. Did you do this? <laughs> I was like, I, I think something's wrong. And so I got to transition. I don't know if you remember, but there was this, a delay in the swim and they shortened the swim course that day because the water was so yeah. rough and they were deciding like what they were, re they were moving buoys and what to do. And I was standing on the beach and I was literally green. And I was yeah, like, I remember, I do and, remember. And all I could think was like, okay, Siri said, it's just nerves. It's just nerves. So I get in the water and I almost like had to put my hand up. Like I was like, it was so bad. And I somehow I made it through the swim. But was so far back. And I think I got like two miles into the bike and started just just was so sick again. And I just like, there's no way. So I turned around and I went back and I sat in medical for a little while. And they're like, okay, well, I'm out of the race. But then like, you've got to wait because the roads are all closed. So I was like, how am I going to get back to town? I didn't know anybody. And then someone introduced me to you. And they're like, she's headed back to town. I was like, can I please have a ride? <laughs> I honestly oh, think, that's man. I think that's the first time we met. And I apologize because I was not my best self. <laughs> no, see, so, <laughs> I'm trying to think if it, I know I was involved in it. I can't remember if I actually drove you back or if I was the one that organized you to be dri driven back. But I know I was there. Yeah. I just can't remember now. Yeah. I, Far I, out. I, I wow. honest to God can't remember who drove me back. I remember the, my first memory really post-race. I got back to my hotel. I somehow packed all my stuff. My flight was the next day. And I remember I was in the, I, I forget, I think I was flying Qantas. I think I was in the Qantas lounge, like, like trying to sip tea to rehydrate. And Andrew Messick, walks, oh. Andrew Messick walks in and he takes one look at me. He's like, you look pretty rough. And I was, I was like, don't even get me started. And he's like, you know, oh God. he's like, we try not to involve, involve ourselves with, with, you know, the decisions that athletes make out there. He's like, but we almost didn't let you get in the water. <laughs> I was like, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was awful. Yeah. That was real. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, but you came back for more. I did come back for more. I never went back. Actually, I'm, I think I'm, I might be banned from Australia because I've had, I've been on three start lists and the first year of Melbourne, I was there. I did not start because I had a stress fracture in my sacrum that came like a week before the race. And I was on some like, Ugh. I was on some discount ticket that I couldn't change. So I was training in Noosa. I had to go to Melbourne, basically sit in Melbourne for a week without racing and fly home. Then I went back the next year to do Melbourne again. I got food poisoning. And then I think it was the following year I was doing WA and the hub fell out of my wheel at mile one of the bike, like in the disc wheel, like the hub just like came unglued from the rest of the wheel. My goodness. And so when we took off from Australia that last time, Dave's like, say goodbye to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no we want you back i know i am tempted i'm tempted i am tempted looking at looking at the race schedule i'm slightly tempted so we'll see what happens Ooh, well you keep me posted and anything I we can do to... yep absolutely okay just getting, so just, we've uh, just get me to a finish line in australia and i'll be in forever yeah. <laughs> <Dead. laughs> come, come and do one of the local triathlon races down here 
Yeah. And then you just hang out and drink coffee and red wine with me. Yeah. And meet my dog because, yes. you know, dog people. Yes. yes, dog people. I'm dog obsessed. <laughs> yes, me too. And your so you, your dogs are Piper and Charlie? Piper and Charlie, right? yes. Yep, yep. So both of those names were on my list of girl names for Frankie. I love them. Oh, see, we don't have children, so we're able to dip into our children's names as well. So, yes, we thought both were super spunky, kind of sassy names. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're very cool. And when I named Henry, the dog, Henry, you know, he's uh, 11 now. Back then, I, you know, I definitely didn't want to have kids. But then when I found out I was pregnant, I'm like, oh, Henry would have been an awesome name for a little man. Yes. But it's taken. But anyway, turns out we had a girl, so all is okay. All is okay, yes. Um, We have have lists of baby names that we never got to, so if you need a couple more, just give me a call. Definitely don't need any more baby names. We are one <laughs> and done. <laughs> but thank you. Got you. A good, you got a good one though. <laughs> exactly. How can we, we, I can't go back for more because we hit the jackpot with the first one. So yeah, yeah I can't, yeah. I can't do it anymore. Plus yeah. I hated being pregnant and I just don't think I can go through it again. Um, yeah. But boring, boring, boring. I want to find out. A little bit more about Wall Street. Yeah. So, and, you know, <laughs> so you said that, you you know, you swore like a sailor, like a trooper. So all I can see in my mind is like the movies, you know, New York Stock Exchange, Wall Street, um, power yeah. suits, uh, smoking, all that kind of stuff. That's all I can envision. Is that what it was like? I mean, it's not quite Wolf of Wall Street, but it's it's not far off. <laughs> it's not far off. I mean, keep in mind, like now, I'm sure in this day and age, it's different. It's evolved. And watching yeah. the, the political situation here and watching some of the, the Democratic debates and watching Michael Bloomberg get raked over the coals for you know comments he made 30 years ago on a trading desk. And I was like, I'm not justifying it, but it was a different yeah. culture. Like it, things yeah. have changed. I, I, for one, actually kind of loved it. Like I, I really, I, I, I liked, um, I was drawn to it. And this goes way back. My grandmother growing up, you know, other grandmothers knitted sweaters and baked cookies. And my grandmother gave us stock and not a lot of stock, but she gave us like 10 shares of stock. And then we'd spend the rest of, then we'd spend the rest of Christmas day learning how to look up our stock ticker in the newspaper. And I was like, Oh my God, man, this sucks. Like, why couldn't I have cookies? Like I want a cookies (laughs) and a sweater. Like I don't, I don't don't want stock. Like how boring, but it, it, it's like, it taught me about the financial markets. And, um, I, finished at Stanford and I knew I kind of wanted to continue my education. I didn't know if I wanted law school or, or business school. And and ultimately I really was just drawn to the financial markets and um, sort of the passion of the markets. And, and now I'm so far removed, but just watching the market activity in the last couple of days with coronavirus, which is terrible, but the passion of the markets yeah. is spectacular. And, and just watching it and being a part of it was just something that I kind of thrived on. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the pressure and the pace and uh, the swearing. I just, I loved it all. <laughs> um, so what did and, you actually do? 
Um, right out. Well, I got my MBA at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and then I went to work for uh, Lehman Brothers, which is now uh, defunct. Um, if you haven't seen the the movie Too Big to Fail, that uh, it wasn't my fault. I was no longer there. I was already a triathlete by that time. But yes, that was the brokerage firm I worked for. Uh, I Hang worked on, wait, there wait, two wait, years. Wait, wait, wait. Too big to fail. Sorry, sorry. Which one is the yes. movie Too Big to Fail? It's basically about Lehman Brothers going bankrupt and how um, they. It has to, it, a lot of the real estate markets and 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 yeah. mortgage mortgage backed securities and, and basically drove. They took on too much risk. Um, yeah, it is the movie the, I'm the, thinking the, about. Yeah, yeah. The investment bank basically went broke, and it was funny because right, bef- right, right after then Bear Stearns fell, and like a lot of these investment banks went under. But Lehman Brothers um, was the first place that I worked, and I worked wow. on the Nasdaq trade. I worked on the Nasdaq trading desk. Um, I worked for a senior trader. We traded. Um, PC computers and semiconductor stocks, so uh, Dell, Intel, um, stocks like that. And um, after two years, I just didn't love New York City. Um, it was a great place to visit, but long term, I really didn't want to live there. So I moved from Lehman Brothers, which is um, the sell side, so that's the brokerage side. We moved to Boston, and I worked for um, an investment management firm, the buy side. Um, and I worked for a firm called MFS Investment Management, uh, basically a mutual fund company. And there, when I was at Lehman, my list of stocks, like my entire day was it's, it involved like w- around 10 stocks, like 10 stocks was all we traded. And, and yeah. there were a million other traders that traded all the other stocks, but our focus was on those you know, 10 or 20 stocks. I went to MFS and your universe becomes much more broad. I was, I was trading large cap stocks. I was trading... Um, mid cap stocks, I was trading growth, I was trading utilities. And so I just had a, a, a broader view of the market. Um, and basically in that role, I was the eyes and ears for a portfolio manager who's making investment decisions. Obviously, they're making investment decisions based on um, fundamentals, you know, financial statements, financial performance. But then I'm sort of I'm getting that extra, you know, little bit by buying at the right time or, you know, buying smartly, buying quietly so that other players in the market, you don't show your hand that you're buying this one stock because you know something, you know, you've done yeah. more work and, and have, a, have a hunch on a stock that nobody else does. And so you don't want to show your hand. Um, and, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. To me, it's, it, it wasn't... I don't want to say it wasn't hard work, but it wasn't super hard work. Like I got into work early. We were in at 6.30, but once the markets closed at four, I could have a balanced life. And um, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. But triathlon presented itself and and I couldn't resist. I honestly, when I quit my job to race as a professional, I thought it would be for a year or two and I'd be, you know, right back in, in the seat trading stocks. But <laughs> here we are 16 yeah. years later. I haven't quite made it back. <laughs> What what was it about the allure of triathlon? What 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 was it that pulled you? Because I imagine you know you could have had quite a cushy lifestyle um, staying in in the finance market. Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't hard. I mean, it was hard work, but it wasn't hard work. Like this is way harder. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were there were some things like I didn't play office politics very well. Um, right and. I, I think that some of that was involved that I wasn't, 
mean, I was a vice president and, and I was, you know, at the time, 34 years old. So that's pretty good to be a vice president at a major financial institution by 34. But I just, I didn't feel like I had that, um, that drive to be sort of play the corporate politics to run the desk one yeah. day or whatever, what have you. And, and I had been racing triathlon for a couple of years as an age trooper and Karen had been my coach and we were literally riding one day and she just kind of looked over at me and very innocently said, she's like, would you ever consider quitting your job to race professionally? She's like, I think you do really well. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, is that even possible? And, and I went home and I got, I got Dave a little drunk. And, and I said, I was like, Karen said, the, <laughs> Karen said the funniest thing to me today. I was like, she suggested that I should quit my job and race pro in triathlon. And he looked at me, like he put down his wine and he looked at me and he's like, if you do not go in and quit your job tomorrow, I will go in and quit it for you. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he regrets that. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, uh, he was he was like he was more certain and more on board with it than than I was at the time. I was I was apprehensive for sure. Um but honestly at the time we both thought like yeah, let's take this year or two and have this amazing adventure in triathlon and see what happens. Like thinking full well like I'll yeah. do it for a year, I'll probably suck, so I'll give it one more year and then I'll suck some more and then I'll go back to work. But it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> so it, it almost sounds like he he knew before you did like he was almost waiting for it, that bell to go off in your own head yeah and it wasn't based as like i assure you it wasn't based on his assessment of my talent i think it was just more based yeah. on a passion he could see and yeah. a lifestyle choice that at least for a couple of years he you know thought we should make and you know, again, the, the swing in our financial statements is pretty significant all these years later, but I still stand by the fact that we are happier and healthier now than we would have been had I stayed on Wall Street for sure. Yeah. So, so the whole Wall Street thing, diving into professional triathlon, like there's some, um, You've got to be pretty driven to be able to do, to do both. Is that something that you you feel like you've had since you were a kid? Have always had that competitive urge, that that drive? Yeah, like I've just been. I don't want to say it's the competitive. I, I've been super stubborn, and <laughs> you can call it stubborn or you can call it persistent. Like I, I, I somebody asked. I did an interview recently. Um, after I've, I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of interview requests after Ultraman. I was like, I've been here all along, but yeah, I, I'm one of them somebody, and I'm sorry as well. I'm no, very aware no, no, of no, that. No, 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 not at all. Like I get it. I'm, I'm 50. Like I'm, I'm yesterday's news and I understand that. But, um, when I went to, I went to summer camp when I was like eight or nine, it was called Camp Nyota in New Jersey. And it was sort of a sad little camp, but, um, <laughs> it was too, too two weeks sleepaway camp, like the tennis court had weeds growing out of it. Like it wasn't great, but I thought it was, I thought it was the bomb. I thought it was amazing. And for some reason, I just loved archery. Like I loved archery. Like I just, for some reason, just like firing the arrow. Like, I don't know. It just brought me back to my, I don't know, native American roots or something of which I have none, but I just felt really cool with a bow and arrow in my hand, but I sucked at it. Like I was terrible. Like I never hit the target. And 
And I spent every free moment on the archery range trying to get my stupid archery badge. And by the end of camp, I I was still terrible. Like I hadn't gotten better and I didn't get my archery badge. And so the last night of camp, like they have awards and everyone gets their badges for all the things that they had passed. And I like swimming, like I passed everything with hardly ever getting in the water. They're like, oh my God. And our double platinum star winner, DD Grease or DD Trimble. And I was like, I don't care about swimming. Like I want archery. (laughs) <laughs> and the archery, the archery counselor got up there and out of little orange construction paper, she cut out the initials PD and she gave me the PD award. And I was like, I was like, I am such a loser. I was like, I get the stupid PD award. What, what is that? She's like, it's persistence and determination. <laughs> oh. Not, not talented enough to actually get my level one archery badge, but I was talented <laughs> enough to get the persistence and determination award. And like I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I just think that's part of my my the fabric of my being is that yeah. when I want when I want something, I go for it, and I'm almost relentless to the point of obsession in pursuit of it. And and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it's not awesome. Um, there's probably a couple yeah. of boyfriends I need to apologize to. Like first, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but like I just have that sort of relentless drive when it's something that matters to me. Otherwise, I'm kind of like, I, I'm sort of laid back in terms of if it doesn't interest me, I could care less. Like my parents tried to get me to play golf and I was like, eh, I could, I don't care. And meanwhile, yeah, Dave, meanwhile, Dave is obsessed with golf, but I could care less, like whatever. But if it's something I care about, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty driven. And triathlon just happened to be that thing. And for me at the time on Wall Street, the corporate politics weren't working out for me. And it was just really appealing to look at something that I could be in control of my own destiny, something where my hard work would yield results. And um, yeah, so to me at the time that was appealing. And then the whole, you know, sponsorship thing comes in and, you know, whatever it it works out or it doesn't, but I still, I still love triathlon. I still love the day to day, the training, the goal setting, the trying to do things you've never done before and see if you can get there. And, and yeah, it just, it fires me up. I love it. Where where do you think that side of your personality comes from? Mum or dad? Uh I'm adopted. So Oh my gosh. Um I didn't know so that. genetically Yeah, genetically I don't really know, but I will say my parents, my mom who is like she's so soft-spoken and so polite but man, she is competitive as all get out. Uh, and actually, so is my dad. Yeah. My dad coached our soccer team. My dad coached our soccer team growing up. And I remember he like took one of my friends out at the knees, like sliding for like the ball. And he's like, he's like in his business suit. Like he came from work <laughs> to soccer practice and he's out there like in his loafers running and like slides to make a kick and like takes my friend out at her knees. And I was like, dad, oh my gosh. So my parents are both athletic and I think they're both super competitive. So obviously um, that, that nurture sort of wears, wears off on you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you, that, that you say that um, I, cause it can absolutely be a learnt thing. Um, it's not necessarily a genetic thing. So many people say that my personality is so much like my granddad, who is not my, he's like my, I guess, step granddad, but I've always known him to be my granddad. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, so we're not blood related, but out of our whole family, his personality is the one that I'm most similar to. So 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just find that. Yeah. yeah. And even mannerisms as well. <laughs> like, so clearly oh, it's just oh, a lead sure. thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, like I think I get the, the competitive nature more from my mom and the sarcasm from my dad. My dad's a sarcastic little bugger. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> it, it is, it is learnt and it is patterned. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. I did, I did not know that you were adopted. Well, there you go. Yes. Can yes. I, can I ask at what age you were adopted? Oh, birth. Yeah, no, it was right. for sure. I've actually, a couple of years ago, um, and this is a whole not this is a whole nother podcast, but um I did the um ancestry.com <gasps> DNA yep. test. Yeah. Not because I like I I've never my brother um is also adopted and he found his biological parents. Um he he struggled with addiction and and alcoholism and through one of his stints in rehab, they recommended that he find his biological family, which he did. And he learned that that addiction was actually an inherited thing. His, his biological right. father was an addict and, and it actually really helped him in his rehabilitation. He's been clean and sober ever since. So yay, brother. Um, but my parents actually asked me at the time, they're like, do you have any interest? I was like, no, I'm like, I'm happy. Like, you never know what you're going to find. Like, I'm totally good. Yeah. But I did the ancestry.com because it's interesting. Uh, Rebecca Keat actually talked me into it because I thought the whole thing was a, a bunch of baloney. Right. Um, but, but she and Simone, her, her twin, had done it separately. And it came back like we have a 99.9% .9 genetic match in our system for your DNA. So I was like, oh, wow, it's really legit. Yeah. And the reason I did it, it, I am like white as skim milk. But in the summertime, like, Becky used to joke with me. She's like, you could apply for land rights in Australia. She's like, you are so dark. She's like, she's like how do you get so dark for someone who's so pale? And I was like, I have no idea. I'm going to do ancestry.com. So I did it and it came back with, I don't know, a, I don't know, a mutt of European origin. And it was sort of interesting, but then I never thought another thing of it. Two years later, I got an email from ancestry.com and it's like i just figured they, they they wanted me to build my family tree i was like i'm adopted i don't have a family tree delete yeah but i happened to glimpse it and i remember so distinctly it was a sunday it was two o'clock in the afternoon and it said we have found a 98 percent probability first cousin Whoa. um and, and there was a message from this woman and i literally like i was writing programs coaching programs and I got up and I walked over and I poured myself a gigantic glass of wine. And Dave was sitting on the couch watching yeah. golf. And he turns around and he looks at me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not sure. And so this woman had reached out to me and it turns out that... It, and, and so I debated. I was like, what do you do, right? Yeah. Because I knew, I knew when I was adopted, they were young. I was the product of young love. And they did a very courageous and responsible thing by putting me up for adoption. Yeah. Um, they were 17 and 18 at the time. And so I was like... Like they've probably they've gone on, they have their own lives. Like you don't want to drop a bomb on someone's life. But so this girl reaches out to me. She's like, it says you're a 98% probability first cousin, but I don't know you to be my first cousin. Do you want to try to figure it out? And I was like, what do you do? So I was like, screw it. I emailed her back and I told her, I was like, look, I'm adopted. I don't want to drop a bomb on your family's head. She's like, oh my God, my mother is the oldest of like, six children or something. She's like, I'm going to email. She's like, my mom has to know something. I'm going to call her and I'll email you tomorrow. And so she, I got an email from her the next day. And this is the part that is crazy. She's like, 
Um, my mom says that you are, I gave her like the date of birth where I was born. She's like, you are the biological product of, wait for it, my aunt and uncle. They're oh still together. God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. They're still together. So I've been in touch with them for the last couple of years and, and have been getting to know them and they're super nice people. Um, yeah. and it's been, it's been really helpful. I think particularly at this age to know health history. I think it's right. the one sort of practical thing that came from it. Um, but they're super nice and, and it's been nice getting to, 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 to know them a little bit. Um, I've met them once, but yeah, I mean, my parents are my parents and, yeah. and that's how it goes. But these are just really, really nice people that have come into my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, Bomb, drop, boom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and your parents were totally okay with you doing this? And I mean, obviously with your brother earlier on in life, they stood by him in his search for his birth parents. Is that, is that the right terminology? Yeah. 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 And, and they, they encouraged it and it's been super helpful to him to be honest. Yeah. We haven't talked a lot about it. Right. Um, because it's sort of, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's, it, we haven't talked a lot about it. Um, yeah. And they know that I'm in touch with them. Um, and we've sort of left it at that. It's that they don't have a relationship with each other. Yeah. Um, but it's, they're aware and, and that's kind of it. We honest, honest to God, we just, we don't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it's been great. Like it's been, it's been, it's been fun. And I of course have, <laughs> Like, that's the other thing. I have full biological siblings that I never knew about. So that's, it's kind of, it, yeah. it's been several years, still kind of heady because you know, my family is my family. But then there's these other people that I'm like, well, how do you categorize them really? But they're, they're super kind and they're, they're big fans of triathlon now and they, they check in with all the races and stuff. And so it's, yeah, yeah it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. I think I think in that situation there is no there's no right answer. Whatever your response is the right response. I, I figure. There's no rule book. Yeah, and and them as well. Like I think we've both been super careful to not overstep because yeah. they realize that they are not my parents and I realize I am not their child necessarily, but it's they're just nice people and it's been fun to to know them. Yeah. Wow, and your parents are amazing for adopting children as well. I think that's it's incredible um, f for them to have done that. Yeah, Very no, cool. it's 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 great, and it's funny because at the time, I mean, I was born in 1970, and it's it's not something that was talked about, right? Mm. And then sort of Brad and Angelina came along and made it cool to be adopted. <laughs> <laughs> And, and now suddenly, like everyone's all about it, you know. So it's 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 been interesting because growing up, I always knew. Someone's like, "Well, when did you find out you were adopted?" I was like, "I've always known. Like, I don't remember. I've known so long, I don't remember actually learning it." Yeah, um, right. That's cool. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's amazing. And I look at you know, like friends, Hillary Biscay, who's got yeah. you know her own biological children. She's adopting children and. You know, I love her little hashtag now in social media, love makes a family. And so yeah, true. I mean, my parents are my, my parents are my parents and I would never think of it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, love is family is a fantastic way to, to end our chat um, on a very lovely note. I could sit here and I say this, I think to everyone, cause I just love a chat. I could actually keep chatting to you for ages, but we've been going for over an hour and 
I've been reminded during this podcast that you like to go to bed early and I believe it's something, well, I believe it's past your bedtime. It is, it is past my bedtime. So yes, it is, it is time for me to go to bed. But I, I have to thank you for having me on. I, I said to you via email that this like being on the Wits Up podcast is like a bucket list item that I can just in pencil sort of check because I'm not going to cross it off because I hope to be back. <laughs> Mate, I would have you back in a heartbeat, but can I just ask you just one more question? And this is probably yeah. a little bit for my own um, selfishness. Why, why being on the podcast, why is that, a, I don't want to say a big deal, but why is it something that you wanted to do, be on the podcast? Because I love your work. Like I love what you do and I love the passion that you put um, in, into Wits Up and the, the, the support that you give to all athletes, as we said before, but particularly the, the, the women in our sports. Um, and I just, I think you're like, I think you're funny and I think you're smart and I just, I love your stuff. Like I am obsessed. Like I watch everything that you put um, in social media and I just, I think it's fantastic. So little girl crush, I like, I was a little nervous coming on. I was like, oh my God, this is a big deal. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. No, for real. So full kudos to you because uh, full respect for, for everything that you do. And, and I'm sure as many pro triathletes are underpaid and underappreciated, you're probably underpaid and underappreciated for everything that you do for the women in our sport and for the sport in general. So big deal. Really, really happy to be on the podcast. Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you and say thank you so much. It's I feel like I need to hear that more often uh, these days, because as it gets harder and harder, you know, you, you start to question yourself a little bit more. Um, so just hearing that has given me enough to, you know, keep, keep going for the next year. So I, I really appreciate I, it. Thank yeah. you. No, I, I love what you do and you do it. Like there's a lot of people doing some great stuff out there, but head and shoulders, like the way that you do it and your humor and your, your knowledge is just, it's outstanding. So keep going. Uh, thank you, friend. And I definitely want to be doing more work with you in the near future. Sounds good. But for now, I'm going to bed and you're going to get Frankie Flo up from her nap and, and go about the rest of your afternoon. But thank you so much for having me. 